Welcome to What the Fuck Just Happened. I'm your host, Liz Enton. If you listen to the intro, you know my story. If not, here's a brief summary. I'm a science skeptic, and when my dad died, I took a shot in the dark and decided to investigate if there was any possible evidence of an afterlife. I assumed that was as realistic as Santa Claus, but I was desperate. However, I was so blown away by what I discovered that I wrote a book and launched this podcast. In this podcast, I will be talking to some fairly normal people about some really weird shit. I speak with everyone from psychic mediums and afterlife researchers to ordinary people who've had some inexplicable experiences. So come, listen, there's no need to draw any final conclusions. Keep an open mind and wonder, what the fuck just happened? This is part two of my conversation with Simon Bone. You can check out the first part of our conversation, The Best Evidence of an Afterlife with Simon Bone, host of the Past Lives podcast. He is also host of the Alien UFO podcast. So in this episode, we talk about aliens and UFOs. I thought it made sense to divide these into two episodes one where we talk about afterlife evidence and the other aliens and UFOs. Hi, today I have Simon Bone on. He is host of the Past Lives podcast, and I had a great time being a guest on his podcast as well. He's also a past life regression therapist, and I will let Simon take over and introduce anything else about himself. Yeah, so uh, I've been producing the Past Lives podcast for a few years now. There's over... 260 episodes each one is an hour-long interview with somebody who's you know got an interest in the afterlife whether they've had a near-death experience or if uh, it's about children with past life memories or researching mediums there's so much stuff we've covered and uh, it's been like a real education for me and also I have a diploma in clinical hypnotherapy and certified in past life regression therapy I've done hundreds of sessions. I do them over Zoom. So I have clients all over the world and I do them just about every day. So uh, yeah, it's been a great learning experience doing all this stuff. But now I want to get into UFOs. So on your podcast, you interview people. I assume you've interviewed Leslie Kane. You also talked about her related to physical mediumship, but she also is an expert on on UFO research. But I guess I'll start because we were talking about past life regressions. Now, I, every day they're discovering more what are called Goldilocks planets, which are planets that seem able to sustain life the way Earth does. There's got to be practically, I would guess, infinite number, close to infinite number of solar systems, planets, other galaxies, possibly they're, there are multiverses. I have a really hard time believing there isn't intelligent forms of life on other planets. First of all, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, well, I think it's we can be pretty sure of that. It, this new telescope that's up in orbit around the sun has got these new pictures showing that there's more galaxies than they thought there were, and they thought there were billions of them. And it, it reminds me of... Um, this guy I talked to called Richard Martini, who does uh, stuff with people and going into the space between lives. And they went into the space between life and there's a, a part they call the Council of Elders. And one of them was an alien on his Council of Elders. And they asked him, have you had a life on Earth? And the alien would said something like, no, I, I wouldn't lower myself to have a life on Earth. But also... The alien said something like, you humans are so arrogant. You think you're the only life in the universe? The, the billions of galaxies and the billions of stars? So it, it's almost like, you know, the scientists will say there's no evidence of life anywhere else. But it's just common sense, isn't it? The scientists are almost like they have to say that because if they don't, they'll be worried about their career. But um, 
yeah, there is no evidence of it, yet it seems like the most obvious conclusion. It doesn't mean it's not true. We just haven't met them yet. And as far as yeah. I know. And that's the thing about UFOs that um, is fascinating because I talked to a guy, he's got a book out and he's a physicist and he was at a really prestigious place called the Niels Bohr Institute where he was a physicist and uh, he teaches this stuff now. He's written a book called A Scientific Study of UFOs. I think that's what it's called. And there was a case where there was a Japanese airliner. It was actually a freight aircraft, but it was the size of a, you know, a passenger aircraft. It's so big. Flying over Alaska and it encountered these UFOs. And the aircraft's radar picked it up. The air traffic control radar picked the UFOs up. The American Air Force base in Alaska picked it up. So three different radars picked up these UFOs around this aircraft. And this physicist got hold of the actual radar information. He said it's 180 pages. And there's a point where all three radars say the same thing, that this craft jumped 70 nautical miles in an instant. It moved at 500 times the speed of sound and when it moved, it had 10,000 Gs. And it also did not create a sonic boom. And there was no great disturbance in the air when it did it. And it did that 11 times. And all three radar picked this up. So it wasn't one radar glitching. And it's stuff like that that makes you think, well, if that craft was capable of those maneuvers, there's nothing that mankind can make that can do that. It is so far beyond our technology. And it's this idea that I have that you could talk to astronomers about UFOs, but the thing is UFOs are an earthbound phenomenon. They don't happen in the stars, and astronomers study the stars. They don't study UFOs. And it's also like the videos that were released by the Pentagon showing these craft. And there's another one about showing a craft this is off Costa Rica, I think, where it's doing 80 miles an hour over this town. It goes over the coast. It goes down into the water and decreases its speed by about 10 miles an hour. So it's still doing 70 miles an hour underwater. And we don't have anything that can fly and go underwater and do 70 miles an hour. And when it came up out of the water, it flew a bit more. And then it split into two objects that both flew off together. And... It just makes you think, Where? what is this craft? Because I'm sure mankind can't build stuff like that. Yeah, if we could, it would be, we'd be seeing videos of it and, you know, people raising funding for these companies. We'd hear about it. We always hear about the new technology that someone's building on this planet. So that is amazing. I'm going to ask you one question, then I want to get back to some of these stories. But when you've been doing past life regressions, have you ever encountered anyone with memories of having lived as species we don't have here or on other planets? Yeah, yeah. There was uh, one woman who, this, it was quite brief. She said, okay, now I'm in a desert. And I said to her, can you look down and see what you're wearing? And then for a short while, she just didn't answer. And so I asked her again and she said, well, it's in, I'm a bit embarrassed, but I've got too many knees. It's like each leg's got two knees. I've, I've, I'm not in a human body. And there was a guy, and I released as an episode this recording of this past life regression, where he went and he was on a planet that you might say is all water, and he was some kind of aquatic intelligent being underwater. And there were these, there was a thing that had a very long lifetime and they got bigger and bigger. And around the planet, there were a few of them that were very psychic. And their job was to create a network and send really positive energy around the planet. And in that life, he was in training to do that, to send out positive energy. And we found that this life on Earth is his first life on Earth. And he came here to do that here. And that he was in training for having an Earth life because the earth is so negative and because it's so hard to have a life on earth. And so that's two of them. And um, there was another one. There was a woman. She, so she was really scared and she was hiding in a cave and she wasn't human. 
And she said, she was saying, they're coming to get me. They're coming to get me. And I was like, who's coming to get you? She said, they're like, they're like human sized, but it's almost like they're, they're kind of like rats is what she said. That's the way they're covered in hair. And she said, they, they're coming to get me. It's, she was terrified. And that, that was a short one. That was a weird one. So it's rare, but it does come up. And it's not like I'm directing them there. That just spontaneously is what they say. Do you think most of us, all of us, whatever, will live on other planets at some point? Yeah, I think so. The idea of reincarnation is you learn, your soul learns everything there is to be human. So I also think why not it be a thing where you learn everything there is to be whatever life form there is in the universe. Maybe you don't have to do absolutely everything, but they say the earth school's a really tough one. Maybe between lives on earth, you go to a really easy school just to relax and take it easy before you take your next real tough assignment on earth. My guess, I'm curious about this. There's been the big bang, the big, there will be the big crunch, or at least life on this planet's going to end when the sun goes out, as far as we know, unless we make some miraculous technology. But this planet's not going to go on eternally. Do you think that we were living as consciousness in other solar systems before other universes, maybe before the big bang, we'll live in other universes after the big crunch. Do you think we're somehow tied to this universe? Ah, oh, that's a big question, isn't it? I, I don't see why we wouldn't have had other lives on other planets before this one formed and have lives afterwards. There is that idea that you're working to it. But in other in other universes, like, I mean, I'm positive we've lived on other planets or that there's life on other planets in this galaxy and in this universe and in the solar system. But, you know, one day it's all going to burn out with a big crunch. So after the, you think we're in completely different solar systems and yeah, galaxies it, and universes. Well, do you conclude, do you, would you say that another dimension is another universe or the multidimensional thing is in the same universe? I don't know. If I could guess, there's both. There's the dimensions we're, that are more measurable of sorts. I don't fully understand them, but my guess is, you know, there seems to be, to what extent do we define dimensions? There's all this information our bodies can't perceive, ultraviolet, infrared, and those are at least measurable. My guess is there's probably things that go beyond that. And I sometimes wonder, like, we can't observe things if they start moving too fast. Maybe there's a whole dimension of physical beings that are vibrating, moving at a speed that we can't feel. We can't see things when they're too big. We can't see things when they're too small. To what extent are those dimensions? And then my guess is they're completely different dimensions, like the Tesseract, which is as best as we can define the fifth dimension. And then you know, string theory takes up to the, what is it now? they say? The 11th dimension. And maybe there's dimensions that are just completely immeasurable. And my guess is there's consciousness in all of them, but how do we really explain any of this? It's so hard to explain other dimensions. Yeah, it's so tough. And there's, would you call the astral plane another dimension? That's a thing. Because I, I talked to a lady on the podcast. She uh, found herself standing next to her bed and there were four aliens at the foot of her bed. And she looked around and her body was still in the bed. So it's like her consciousness was out of her body. And as soon as she saw that, it was a shock for her and she was slammed back into her body and she sat up and the aliens weren't there. So where were they? Like when, her, when she was having an out-of-body experience, she was in an astral plane. And it was that another dimension that's very close to ours. And that's where the ETs are. And they could be all around us all the time. I mean, we already know there's things all around us all the time that we can't perceive, you know, types of waves. I. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that there's a bunch of consciousness living on the astral plane that are different. Yeah. The, the stuff that I come across when we, I talk to people who talk about alien abductions they've had and it gets really bizarre and what they call high strangeness. And Whitley Strieber talked about how the dead would show up at the same time as the aliens that people who had passed on were with them. And it just gets very weird, the stuff. 
people talking about abducted by aliens, but their consciousness is taken and their physical body stays behind. And also there's this thing of controlling our consciousness where we just have missing time. There's one guy I talked to who was riding his Harley down this really nice tarmac road. And it was his pride and joy. He'd never take it on a gravel road because little stones would come up and scrape the bike. And he was riding, doing 70 miles an hour. And the next thing he knows, he's on a gravel road doing 30. And he said it was an instant cut between the two roads. There was no loss of time or no blackout or anything. And he'd lost two hours of time. And it's like an, there seems to be able to just control us like that. And it's almost like they're protecting us because they know we'd freak out and get so scared. They might be protecting themselves as well. Yeah. What are you, have you ever had a time loss or anything weird like that? I've heard about those. What are they called? Time storms, I believe. I think I read a book. Missing time. That's Missing the, time. Yeah. It's a thing because I saw the UFO when I was driving. I I was gigging in my band and we were playing out west of London and I was on the M40, this motorway that goes back into London and it was 1 a.m. There were no other cars about and it's a stretch of motorway where there's no lights, there's no street lights. And, you know, we drive on the left and I saw to my left in this field, which I know is an empty field, really bright lights. And I thought to myself, that's weird. Maybe they're doing some emergency gas mains repairs or something for electricity cables. And I slowed right down so I could have a look. And as soon as it came into sight, there was this craft just hanging in the air, maybe 25 feet off the ground about the size of a large house, the shape of a, a rugby ball. And it was just maybe 150 feet off the side of the motorway. And I was doing five miles an hour and I was looking up at it and I got a really good look at it. And there's like a mental checklist where you think, well, it's not an aircraft. It's not a helicopter. It's not a hot air balloon. And I just carried on driving after that, after I'd seen it which seemed a bit weird to me because I'm so into UFOs. You'd think I'd stop and get a better look. But uh, when I got home from that, I, I knew better check the time in case there's some missing time there. So that that's one of those things where you, you see it, you think, um, I'll believe it when I see it. And then you do see it. So there's, I definitely feel there's something with UFOs going on there. Now, what do you think some of these UFOs are the ones that have been reported, your experience, the ones I know Leslie Keen has talked about, the ones that have been released from the Pentagon, do you think they are just from our dimension the way we have sent robots to Mars? They're our dimension. Are they even our solar system or galaxy and they just have much better technology? Or do you think there's some bizarre interdimensional layer they're coming from? I think there's something interdimensional happening. I think that, um, you know, there may be all sorts of races out there and different levels of technology, and some of them are interdimensional, some of them are not. And, you know, I've heard about people do past life regressions and they go back to being one of these gray aliens. And the, there seems to be so many different designs. If you look through all the UFO reports over the years, it's almost like the factory makes a different one every time they make one because the, the sizes and the shapes, there's so many of them that show up. And it reminds me of a guy, he, he says he has regular alien abductions and one of them said to him once, you know, the way we look is what you imprint on us. The dimension we come from, we don't have a physical body. And when you see us, it's you that makes us look like this, that gives us this body because that's coming out of your subconscious. That's what you're imprinting on our consciousness so that we can interact with you in your medium, in your earthbound kind of dimension. You know, because it's, it's weird that, I always think about this, that the ETs people report have arms and legs and a head. They're humanoid like us. And scientists would say, well, no, if an alien evolved on another planet, there's no reason why they should be just like us with that shape. And another thing they would say is if we stepped out on an alien planet, we might die instantly because there may be all sorts of viruses and 
you know, diseases on other planets that we've got no defense against. And yet people talk about these ETs walking in their bedroom and other places with no problems at all. Like they survive our gravity just fine. Or they can breathe our air just fine. Why, why is that? That's, that's a weird part of this. This is part of the high strangeness. That is really strange because we would die if we just went to the moon without incredibly incredible technological spacesuits. And that's really close to us. Yeah, that's so you seem to think they manifest from another dimension. They're not just in a neighboring Goldilocks planet in a solar system not too far from us. And they're just evolved enough to have built a spaceship that can travel fast enough to get here in say a year or two. You think it's a completely different dimension that follows different laws of the universe than we are uh, yeah. that we have to abide by. Yeah, it seems like everything's connected. And uh I've got a book here, another book. I'll, I'll show you another book. This is uh this is just the this is like the introduction to this book series. You see how how thick it is. I'm going to post this video clip of Simon holding this book on Instagram and on YouTube and on our website, wtfjusthappened.net, the show notes and details for this episode with Simon. So you will be able to see it there. There's four books and they're all about four times the size of this. And they talk about the contact modalities, which is... This is called here. The Mind of God for people who are just hearing the audio. And I can't, it's a little blurry, so I can't see who the author is. Yeah. Would you mind telling me? Well, it's put together by a guy called Ray Hernandez, but he gets all the major researchers to write a chapter. So you may find Dr. Jim Tucker's written a chapter and Dr. Bruce Grayson, and then lots of people who've had experiences write chapters as well. And so so much the massive amount of information is in these books and on the front here he talks about all this stuff that's all connected which is spirit communication near-death experiences reincarnation remote viewing ufos that there's something that connects it all together and that it's, it's a great set of books if a little expensive oh i want to read those i'll have to check them out and now, do you think that there are planets like Earth with humans just like us? Do you think, I mean, in a way, us and dogs and horses, I mean, we all evolved based on the conditions of Earth. Do you think there are other, but there's got to be some form of coincidence, you know, first dinosaurs evolved and then got wiped out. Do you think there's planets that have followed very similar patterns and have species just like us, you know, horses, dogs, maybe had dinosaurs, maybe they have some species that we've managed to make extinct, but basically very similar to earth with similar struggles, creatures, all of the above. You ever wonder what mediums do with their free time? How about a 30-something-year-old gay medium living in New York City? Well, in this podcast, you're about to find out. Welcome to Ghost Daddy, a place where LGBTQ plus spiritual people and our cis-hetero allies, of course, have a place to just be themselves and spread their wisdom. This is the new face of spirituality. None of that love and light, toxic positivity crap. So pour yourself a vodka soda, <laughs> open up your mind, and start listening. You can listen to the Ghost Daddy podcast anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Do you enjoy puzzles, but are you tired of the same old boring puzzles? Mix things up with Wongo puzzles. Each puzzle is a custom design with intricate patterns and whimsical shapes that will keep you engaged for hours. Plus, I personally really love this aspect. Their eco-friendly materials and commitment to sustainability make Wongo puzzles a guilt-free way to unwind. And they also are really great gifts for people. I just got one for my mom. I got one for my friend. And 
they're enjoying them so much. And here are some of the things I love so much about Wongo puzzles. They're 100% wooden puzzles. They'll last forever. Each piece is hand-drawn, so no two pieces are the same. And you'll discover some fun, whimsy pieces as you work through it. They come in a custom wooden box, which is perfect for storage and gifting. My two favorite puzzles, personally, were the snow globe and the turtle. They're just really colorful, really fun, and I finished them both in a night. It's just like losing myself in that meditative state. And I really hadn't done puzzles since I was a kid. I'd forgotten how much I liked them. So what are you waiting for? Go to wongopuzzles.com and pick your puzzle today. And be sure to use the promo code WTFJustHappened to get 10% off your order. This is the most fun you've had with a puzzle, guaranteed, or your money back. Go to wongopuzzles.com and use the code WTFJustHappened to get 10% off your order and get puzzling right now. It's interesting you say that. There's some animals, and I think it's Madagascar or Sri Lanka. It's like it's an island that's set apart by itself and has been set apart for millions of years. And you can see animals on there. There's about three or four examples. And you, you, if you looked at it, you say, okay, what's that? And you say, that's a mouse. But the scientists have studied it, and it is no relation to a mouse. It looks exactly the same. It's not even the same species. But it evolved completely independently on Madagascar, as this island was separate from the rest of the continents for millions of years. And there's three or four animals on that island like that that are completely different species, but look exactly the same as something else over the rest of the world. So you just might be similar evolutions on other planets. Also, I've got a, a wonder if there are humans on other planets just like us, and they may even be children of people on this planet, and there's society somewhere with millions of humans, and they interact with aliens every day like it's just normal stuff, and that sometimes they come here. Because sometimes women who say they've been abducted by aliens, they lose pregnancies. And they'll be at the doctors and the doctors confirm there's a pregnancy and three months later they go back and they're saying, no, the, the baby's not there. And the doctor will say, what have you done? Or they may even examine them and say, well, who did this surgery? And the, the woman will be, what surgery? And the doctor says, you know, you've got scar tissue there. There's been a surgery. And the woman's like, I've never had surgery, but the baby's gone. So these things show up now and then in, in the literature. And it's not just one or two people. It's consistently happened over decades that's weird and I, you're not gonna have an answer to this but why do you think they would take a baby from here instead of make their own or do something more consensual because uh, there's people who would happily go yeah. explore that i mean there's a group millions of people who are signed up to move to mars and that's a one-way trip if you sign up i mean that sounds to me miserable but they would definitely find a portion of people who would join them and have babies or give them babies, you know, I'm sure they'd find at least somebody. So why do you think they do it in such a cruel way? I don't know. There's, there's a thing that uh, comes up, people who report this stuff, called uh, the hybrid program. Sometimes people are taken on board a craft. I'm talking as though this is all real. You know, I still doubt it myself. I still wonder if any of this actually happens. But what they say is, and it's interesting because it's consistent with people all over the planet don't know each other. They don't even speak the same language. And yet they all say the same thing. They're taken on board a craft and there's a child there that looks like a cross between the aliens and the humans, like they're a hybrid. And sometimes they're little babies. Sometimes they're seven or eight years old. And the ETs will say to the woman, you have to hold this baby. You have to nurture it. And it's almost like the ETs aren't capable of holding a child and loving it and giving it what a woman can give it. And so they, they take humans from the earth and say, you have to, and they'll say to them, this is your baby. And the baby will look like it's half alien. 
And over the decades, people have been saying these hybrids look more and more human as the years pass, almost like the ETs are perfecting the hybrid program. <laughs> you know, it sounds like science fiction, like some kind of invasion story, but um, that's that's what comes up in the, the reports. It's interesting to discuss. And, you know, my comments about how cruel the aliens are to do that. I mean, humans do that to animals all the time. And there's some way, it, you know, people, humans see different species as non-conscious and non-valuable. So why would others from other planets not do the same? Humans even do that to other humans in many ways. You know, look at the history of slavery. So I guess that takes me into a question I've wanted to ask. And, you know, there seems to be a belief that these other aliens, other planetary beings are beyond us. They're smarter. They're more evolved. Do you, I would think not only are there some just like us, whether they have evolved to actual humans, as we were talking about, or a bit different, you know, acclimated to their climates. But I would think that there's millions of planets where they're just as dumb as us, just as destructive, <laughs> just as limited, and probably a lot that are less, as well as a, a lot that are more evolved. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it makes sense to me as well. And it may be the ones that can travel here in their craft, they're just about the same level as intelligent as us, but they've been doing it a thousand years longer. So they, they've developed the technology. Some people uh, think that this craft may be controlled by ESP, that the pilot somehow connects psychically to the craft and that's how they control them. And it's not done with electronics and levers or buttons and what have you. And there's even a book all about it called UFO Sky Pilots that brings all these reports together, all these different people who've done this. It, 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 it goes so, gets so complicated. You know, it's like this afterlife stuff. The more you delve into it, the more complicated it gets. Oh my God. I haven't delved into UFO stuff enough, but I'm fascinated by it. Uh, one theory, what are your, your thoughts on maybe some teleport? And I'm just going to give a disclaimer because people are going to hear this and think teleporting again, complete nonsense, but scientists have teleported particles at this point. I don't know the size to what extent. Was it a quantum particle of sorts? I don't know which, but so far we're made of quantum particles and quantum particles have been teleported in a lab and as you said, a thousand years, 10,000 years, if you can teleport one quantum particle, in theory, you can teleport an entire being, which is interesting. You know, then you get into the questions of to what extent does the proper consciousness follow it? But nevertheless, if some might have mastered teleportation, what are your thoughts on that? I haven't come across that. I've never thought of that, actually. That's interesting because whenever I've heard about people being taken, say it's from their bedroom. People have talked about being taken from their cars while they're on the, the freeway doing 70 miles an hour and brought back again. And they're always picked up, carried to the craft. There's never a, a somebody would say, I was teleported one moment I'm in my bedroom, the next moment I'm on the craft. There's always a a movement or a sense of being unconscious while they were moved. But maybe the UFOs we see, they've mastered teleportation. Yeah, they they move very, very fast. And that there, there has been a, a suggestion it's to do with vibrations and that they shift themselves into a, another kind of close-by dimension where time passes at a different rate. So that's why they can look like they move at 10,000 Gs and 500 times the speed of sound, but actually they've just shifted into a, another dimension. And they, the, it takes them an hour to do it, but it looks to us like they've done it in a split second. Because time could move very differently for them. Or if you've, have you, and if it's interdimensional, how we perceive it would be very different than how they're experiencing it. Like, I assume you seem like you would have watched the movie Flatland. Yeah, that's about two dimensions and three dimensions, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So for our listeners, it shows the perspective of a two-dimensional existence just material beings living quote unquote, it's a cartoon living quote unquote normal life in a two-dimensional situation so if they don't experience a 3d world and that's about a 3d being that goes to flatland when the 3d being jumps up in the air for example 
it looks like to the two dimensional creatures that they were just this colorful dot. And then the being just suddenly vanishes. But if you have a 3D perspective, you just jump, then it's the most normal thing to us. So that's kind of gives a bit of a clue of how we can't fully really understand other dimensions. So yeah, if it's existing in another dimension, it's probably doing something as normal to us as jumping or walking up a set of stairs. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, there's so many things that are talked about with these craft. Some of them have been reported to be a mile long or the size of an aircraft carrier and that they're just happily floating through the air and there's no, it doesn't seem like they have any form of propulsion or they don't have wings, but they, they can move around quite happily. There might be beings in them. They might not be. They might be robots that are directed from another planet, the way we direct our robots on Mars. They're, those are not conscious beings. They're controlled by us here. I mean, there you go, a science fiction coming true. We're talking yeah. in a very normal way about the robots we put on Mars. I mean, you said that, you know, 60 years ago, watch an old what's that? The Twilight Zone. I mean, that would be pure Twilight Zone, human-directed robots on Mars. So yeah. what are your thoughts? Again, this is speculative on black holes. How do they tie in with all of this and the ability of humans to go through them one day, maybe with the right technology? Or No, well, the impression I get is that the there's a, a massively intense gravitational field around black holes and that if you tried to go near them, you just your craft would be destroyed. And you don't even get that close. And that's I get the impression. Um, I think they say they're made out could be made out of neutronium, which is the most dense material in the universe. And they could be the size of your fist, but still have the same gravitational pull as a star. And that the speed that you need to be traveling at to escape from that is greater than the speed of light. So even light can't escape from it. So that's why it's a black hole. And it may be just a, a lump of neutronium at the bottom of it. It doesn't go into another dimension or universe. I don't know. I have so many different thoughts on that. And sometimes I think it could in the sense that another dimension could just be consciousness that vibrate higher and are able, and their light rays that they connect with and get physical experiences and sensory input from are light rays that travel at a higher speed than we do. Maybe there's all different, that's when it's theoretical completely. We're getting into philosophy here, but I sometimes wonder if there's light rays traveling at all different speeds and our dimension is the ones, the information we connect with and send information, you know, we send information through light rays. You know, if we were to travel at the speed of light, we could go see imprinted things that happened in the past. You know, we're seeing ever the lights we get from the sun. We're seeing the sun from what is it? Seven minutes ago or 10 minutes ago. Yeah. And it's like, we see the energy of the universe from 13 billion years ago. Yeah. Just so crazy. I want to get a little bit back to the um, Pentagon released UFO. There's a lot of controversy about it. Some people say it's absolutely nothing. And some people say it's showing something remarkable and from another planet and you hear both from smart people what do you think i think that they're very unusual and uh one of the guests on my podcast he was the intelligence officer on the uss roosevelt when one of these things happened and be being the intelligence officer all the information came to him it was part of his job and uh, he had the videos and he used to watch him over and over. And the guys, he said, would come into the office on the ship and say, oh, man, you're not watching those videos again, are you? But I, he, he, I also asked him, did other stuff happen on that day that you're not allowed to talk about? And he just says, yes. But the, the thing is, uh, the Pentagon released them and the Pentagon says, we don't know what these are or where they came from. And there was one point where one of them... I think it dropped from 80,000 feet to 500 feet in less than a second. And it, that is such an enormous distance to travel at such speed. And again, they say it didn't produce a sonic boom and that there was no disturbance in the air. And these things can't, can't be human if we don't have that technology. Because you, you'd think if we did have it, then they'd be using it in Ukraine. And also, um, there were because there's three different videos that came from different things that happened, 
one of them I think was in the Pacific and the other two were in the Atlantic and they were in different years and the they encounter this stuff quite often and it's not just these three the only times it's ever happened and there was another thing that the the fighter planes were on a uh like they were on a practice i can't remember what they call it they were on a kind of on maneuvers and they had a rendezvous point way up in the sky and the ufo showed up first of all and they were following it and filming it and then the ufo disappeared and so they got the order okay go to the rendezvous point so we can start this exercise and when they got there the ufo was waiting for them and it was kind of like the ufo was saying ah, we we know what you're doing we can listen into all your communications we you know we we've got total control here and there's so many reports i'm changing the subject a little bit now but i've just reminded myself um of ufo's showing up over nuclear missiles and switching them off and also switching them on and um that's reports have come from Russia as much as they've come from the United States or even in England when they, there was a thing called the Rendlesham Forest incident, which occurred over a number of days. Yeah, it's called the Rendlesham Forest incident. It's referred to as Britain's Roswell because so much happened. And the thing was, uh, it was over Christmas in 1980 and the UFO showed up one night and then the next night and then the next night. And it got to a point where the deputy base commander, a guy called Charles Holt, he was having a Christmas dinner with all the men in this big hall. And somebody came to him and said, they're back. The UFOs were back. And Charles Holt got up and he was like, oh, like I'm, I'm going to put an end to this nonsense. I'm going to go out with the guys and we'll, we'll sort it out. And so he went into the forest and he had his dictaphone with him and he was recording what he was seeing on, on this tape. And he talks about the lights in the forest and the UFOs. And the tape got leaked a few years later. So you can go on YouTube and you can listen to it, his description of the UFOs as it's actually happening. And also he sent, because the it was the United States Air Force Base in the UK, he had to tell the Ministry of Defense what had happened because it had happened in the forest, which is off the base. It's part of UK's land. It wasn't part of the United States Air Force controlled area. And that memo that he sent to the Ministry of Defense, that also got leaked when he was talking about the UFOs and everything that happened. So there's, there's kind of like two uh, official sources from the United States Air Force personnel of seeing UFOs in this space and so over the years, since 1980, more and more witnesses have come forward and confirmed all sorts of things, but it's become more confused with people claiming slightly different things. And Charles Holt's book that he, he put out was hundreds of pages. And it was interesting because he, he was retired and he went to the United States Air Force and says, is it okay if I release this information about our encounter with UFOs? thinking it would be completely confidential. And the guys at the Air Force said, yeah, no problem, you can release that. And it, it's this, uh, a thing where they had the largest stockpile of nuclear weapons in Europe on that base. And that's where all the UFO activity was. And the thing was, that was a secret. And it might have even been secret to the British government. The United States Air Force might have snuck them in without telling us. And so that, that could have been a problem. But they said uh, in this kind of military talk, the UFOs were over the storage area, the weapons storage area. They beamed lights down into it and it had an adverse effect on the weapons when they did that. And there was also another Air Force base it's called Maelstrom, and that's quite a well-known case where the UFOs just went over the missile silos and switched them off. And there were 10 different missile silos. And because it's nuclear weapons and it's defense, none of them were connected to each other in the network. They were completely separate from each other, which is part of, you know, they have to be sure they can launch them. So they can't have anything in a network interfering with each other. And so how is it that they could all get switched off at exactly the same time? when they're completely independent of each other. So that might be the UFOs trying to send us a message. You know, we, we can do this if we want to sort of thing. That's it's all incredible. 
And I actually want to ask you, is there anything else you want to add that I haven't asked you? Is there any remarkable story that you think hasn't been shared? Well, th there is one interesting thing that comes up in past life regressions when I do that. And I always do a point at the end of the session where you move into a space of light. You might call it the afterlife or the space between lives. And we ask the person's spirit guide to come and be with us. And about 90% of the time they show up, they don't always show up. But I always ask them this question at the end of the session. I ask the spirit guide, do you have a message for this person? And they always, almost always say the same thing, which is, we are always with you and we're always on your side. And if you need help, just ask. We can't help you unless you ask. It's something to do with free will. They won't interfere unless you ask them to. So th th I think that's a really nice message that your spirit guides on your side and it's always with you. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Simon, for being on. So thank you. Um, Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to share that my book, What the Fuck Just Happened? A Sciency Skeptic Explores Grief, Healing, and Evidence of an Afterlife is available now for sale. If you go to wtfjusthappened.net, you can see the link to buy it. I'll also have the link in the podcast show notes. I know many of you want to know how exactly did I come to change my mind about the afterlife? Well, this book is all about the first stages of my exploration into this afterlife evidence to where I'm at today. It starts with the awful part of when I lost my dad, how as a science-minded atheist, I first began to explore if there was any possibility of an afterlife and what and who I found most compelling. I also share some stuff that was not so compelling, such as a very clearly fake psychic medium reading and a pretty ridiculous seance, but that's balanced by some amazing peer-reviewed studies on mediums, medium readings, parapsychologists, and just a whole bunch of what the fucks, including some really inexplicable personal things that happened to me and some really incredible signs I got from my dad. Despite the topic, it's actually funny, mainly because I'm just like such an awkward person. And you also get to learn about all the amazing people and incredible characters I met along the way, as well as more about the research that helped change my mind. And some of the people you learn about have become some of my really good friends and mentors today. So go to wtfjusthappened.net and order it. If you've already read it, please rate and review on Amazon. I cannot tell you how helpful that is. And share with any friends who might be interested. Thank you all. I'm so excited to finally share the full details of this crazy exploration with all of you. This week's listener question was submitted by Lauren G. She asked, what is one book that changed your mind the most about afterlife evidence? That is really hard to say one book. For me, it was really an accumulation of everything and just so much phenomena, so much data, so much evidence and so many intelligent, logical-minded, scientific people writing books on everything from NDEs to data on mediumship readings. In one sense, I might say the two books by Dr. Jim Tucker, but that was only because they were the first books I found. So I really can't recommend one over all of the others. So this week I'm addressing something that actually isn't a question, but I thought I'd address it because it comes up a lot. So when I go to group medium readings, sometimes people who don't get read get really upset and I completely get that. And so I'm in no way telling you not to be upset or what to feel, but it's happened to me a lot where I go to groups and I don't get read. So I'm going to give you a tip that helps me. And next week, I'm going to address this further and say a little bit of what mediums have to say about it. 
But for now, I'll give you this little experiment I do. It won't get you read, but it is what I like to do when other people get readings and I'm not. And again, this is from my perspective only. I do not want to tell you how to feel. Way too many people do that to us when we are in grief. So my personal main concern is really if only we do actually survive bodily death. And I just want to get as much evidence, even still, as possible. So if my dad or other loved ones, such as my grandparents, Fran, some of my animals, don't come through during a group reading... In the big picture, that doesn't really matter to me that much. Sure, it's so nice to hear from them. And I do get private readings that I obviously do love to hear from them. But if consciousness survives bodily death, that's all that matters. Because that means I will see them again. And I'll get to continue myself. So when others get readings... I like to do this experiment to get more evidence. I note each thing the medium is saying as best I can, since some speak really fast. And then I try to score their readings against myself. That helps me see how really specific their readings are. Very, very rarely in those situations have readings been able to apply to me. I think there was one time, and it was just bizarre. This one woman and I had almost exactly the same situation. And it was her uncle, but my dad, and they were just so weirdly similar. The name of the street of the cafe that my parents met at was the name of his business. So, it, I mean, it was bizarrely specific. But they realized it was for her because we also had... Joe Scheel at the time doing drawings and the drawings he's a spirit artist and the drawings applied to her and I didn't recognize the person at all and oh I should just say a spirit artist is someone who will sketch the imagery they get of someone's deceased loved ones and they've never seen them and often it will even be someone's husband or wife so not a biological relation Ship. So when that happens and it's that accurate, that is crazy evidential. And I've seen that happen a lot, but I'm digressing. But that's how we knew it was for her and not me. But that is the only time in five years of researching this that something could have applied so accurately and closely to me. So I want to note also that when I do this experiment, I do it for each individual point. Like if the medium says I have a mother figure on the other side, I get that your mother has passed. So for me, that's a no. But then if she says your mother loved to read, yes, my dad did. And my mom does. So even if she's describing a mother on the other side and that doesn't apply to me, I will still take the characteristics of this sitter's mother and apply them to my dad or my living mom. This helps me see that, well, with some mediums at least, how remarkably specific they are. And that just helps give me evidence that we do survive bodily death. And at the end of the day, it's not about getting readings. It's about seeing our loved ones again. This week's question is from Amy R. Hi, Amy. Thanks for reaching out. And Amy wants to know, are there any special tips I have when booking a medium reading? I have written about this some on my website, and this is a popular question, so I will definitely be addressing this more in the future. Okay, Amy, I have a lot, so I'll stick with a main one, which I say is use a fake name, hide your identity, have a friend pay with their credit card or PayPal, and just pay them back. Most of the mediums I've encountered are honest, although not all. But if you don't hide your identity, I think you'll just always wonder. The good ones won't be offended if they find out you did that. They'll appreciate that you were really thorough and careful and give them a chance to prove that they really are getting valid information. So good luck, Amy. Reach out. Let us know how your reading goes. Inspired by David Justice 
who died after a nearly two-year battle with glioblastoma. Jet, Joyful Experience Team, was founded by his son Oliver Justus and his best friends, River Attard, Leo Gerstein, Jack Gorenstein, and Felix Ward. Jet seeks to create joyful experiences for families struggling with brain cancer, a chance to enhance their lives with experiences that are rich in love and will be treasured for all time. We believe, like David did, that life should not be measured in time, but in joyful moments. Jet will allow families coping with this painful diagnosis to go to special events and be treated like VIPs. Go to makingheadway.org forward slash jet for a complete list of programs and activities. Do you enjoy puzzles, but are you tired of the same old boring puzzles? Mix things up with Wongo puzzles. Each puzzle is a custom design with intricate patterns and whimsical shapes that will keep you engaged for hours. Plus, I personally really love this aspect. Their eco-friendly materials and commitment to sustainability make Wongo puzzles a guilt-free way to unwind. And they also are really great gifts for people. I just got one for my mom. I got one for my friend and they're enjoying them so much. And here are some of the things I love so much about Wongo puzzles. They're 100% wooden puzzles. They'll last forever. Each piece is hand-drawn, so no two pieces are the same. And you'll discover some fun, whimsy pieces as you work through it. They come in a custom wooden box, which is perfect for storage and gifting. My two favorite puzzles, personally, were the snow globe and the turtle. They're just really colorful, really fun, and I finished them both in a night. It's just like losing myself in that meditative state. And I really hadn't done puzzles since I was a kid. I'd forgotten how much I liked them. So what are you waiting for? Go to wongopuzzles.com and pick your puzzle today. And be sure to use the promo code WTF just happened to get 10% off your order. This is the most fun you've had with a puzzle guaranteed or your money back. Go to W-O-N-G-O puzzles.com and use the code WTF just happened to get 10% off your order and get puzzling right now. Where can our listeners find you? Listen to both of your podcasts, have a past life regression with you. Let us know. Well, my website is pastlifeshypnosis.co.uk. And on there, there's a booking page. And when you go through to that, you can book a free consultation call on Zoom. So it's free of charge. And we can chat about doing a past life regression. Some people want to do it for therapy. Some people just want to explore, just see what comes up. And uh, I've got the Past Lives podcast, which comes out every Monday. And then another episode on the Thursday, which is when I read from an extract of the book, like I did with your book. And then there's the Alien UFO podcast, which also comes out every Monday. And I got them onto as many podcast apps as I can. So they should be pretty easy to find. And all those links will be in the show notes. So thank you so much, Simon. And thank you. It's been really good. To get more information on what the fuck just happened, go to wtfjusthappened.com. Net. There you can order my book, What the Fuck Just Happened? A Sciency Skeptic Explores Grief, Healing, and Evidence of an Afterlife. And you can learn all about how I came to conclude that there most likely is an afterlife. You can also learn about the early stages of my grief and the amazing, fascinating people I met along the way. You can also read about how much I harassed them trying to get evidence, see if they were cheating, and see if they were sane. There, you can subscribe to our newsletter. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. 
It makes such a difference, especially for a new podcast like this one. And if any of you have had a crazy what the fuck yourself, have any questions, feedback, or just want to say hi, reach out on either Instagram at WTF underscore just underscore happened underscore or email me at hello at WTF just happened.net. And remember, you don't have to draw any final conclusions as you wonder what the fuck just happened.